This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And I started this podcast over four years ago to extend the walls of my practice to those of you who might already be in therapy, very interested in psychological or emotional issues and on your own journey, to those of you who might just have been diagnosed and you've really got a lot of questions, or you're having a relationship issue that you can't seem to find the answer to, but also to a third group of you who might say to friends, I'd never darken the door of a therapist. I don't get it. But you're interested enough to tune in to self-work and at least listen to this psychologist. Thanks to all of you for being here. And wow, I heard from so many of you these past two weeks, and I love it. So this week's podcast is really kind of a conversation, not literally, but I heard from a lot of you about the podcast on leaving therapy as well as the podcast on people-pleasing. I always invite you to email me when you have ideas or questions or concerns. But I received more than the usual number of emails, so I thought I'd share some of them with you to point out even more specifically what can happen first when a therapeutic relationship goes awry or there's an issue that needs to be addressed. I'll read your emails, take what I think is the core issue, and discuss it in more detail. And then our listener email is from two people who reached out to me, one via email and the other through Instagram. Both were responding to, again, the podcast on people-pleasing. They are both people-pleasers. One was trying to change and it came out rudely, but another who reminded me quite rightly that a struggle for people pleasers is to not lie in therapy, mostly by omission, not commission, but they just leave out a lot. And as always, we'll talk about what you can do about it. So in this episode, sponsored by BetterHelp, we'll discuss more about when the therapeutic dynamic can actually be hurtful. We'll also talk a little about people pleasing and I'll feature some of your own stories. So sit back and relax as you and I have a conversation. I was surprised when both the announcement of episode 210 and the response to it was as large as it was. Several people wrote in or asked a question in my Facebook closed group about their own experience with a therapist that either one hadn't gone well and was actually horrible or when one had been confusing or disappointing, but they'd worked through it and actually gained more trust in the relationship as a result. So I decided to feature these stories anonymously as usual and make my own extra comments along the way. First, let's quickly share a quick and dirty list of common mistakes even experienced therapists make to give you a guide and a mindset of what you're listening for in these stories. I found an article by Dr. Clifford Lazarus in Psychology Today on common mistakes. I'll quickly go through them. One being too limited by certain boundaries, and what that means is that the therapist is so rigid about allowing any kind of personal information out that it's a little awkward. Like they might say, you know, did you have a good holiday? And the therapist just stares at you like you're not supposed to ask that. Number two is being too limited by their use of preferred methods, even when others have been shown to work better. Number three, using methods with no scientific or empirical support. And actually, these last two may be a training issue as well. 
Number four, failing to consider biological disturbances, medical problems, all that kind of thing. Number five, refusing to recommend medication, or I might say also to recommend medication really before even therapy has been able to be helpful. And number six, being too rigid to open the therapy to a marital relationship or family process. Another list talked about premature intervention, where the therapist themselves gets very uncomfortable with the pain in the room and acts instead of just sitting there and being right there with the patient. So this gives you a little of a yardstick as I'll read these excerpts from listeners' responses, this first one predates its publication. So I got it before the podcast was actually published. This listener wrote, So incredibly excited for Podcast 210. After 12 months of intense trauma therapy, I arrived to be told by my therapist that she was terminating me. No ongoing referral, exit sessions, just this is goodbye. Her stated reasons seemed on the surface to be reasonable, but my gut says otherwise, and the re-traumatization and emotional holocaust has been almost unendurable. Any insights will help as I struggle to cling on to hope. Thank you for your work. Your podcast has provided much awareness for me, and I value the clarity and assistance for the how to do it. I had to ask her, after she wrote me this, what was the reason that this therapist had given, because it's extremely unethical to do what she did unless there was some kind of personal emergency in her own life. This is what the listener wrote. Her stated reasons were that I, quote, took too much out of her, that she'd gone above and beyond with me, that she didn't have any reserves left, that boundaries had been crossed, that it wasn't therapeutic to continue, that I could be helped but not with her. The listener says, I only learned this through my GP who contacted her. I actually respect her right to make this decision. However, Doing it without any warning, follow-up session, or referral was a rejection of the most profound kind. It has been seven weeks, and I'm still in shock. So here's my response. It sounds like to me that what happened here is that the therapist got lost in her own caring or agenda, and they allowed the boundaries to be crossed. It seems like they'd taken on, or at least had in the past, her patient struggles in her personal time. It's not that therapists don't keep their clients in their hearts and minds outside of sessions. We do, without question. But there's a line that has to be honored. You're there to help the client resolve their issues, to guide, but not to do the work. And boundaries have to be clear. What does that mean? For example, let's say a client keeps texting or asking for an extra session and labels it an emergency, yet it turns out to be something that doesn't quite meet that criteria. Basically, it could have been journaled about or brought into the next session. These boundaries need to be as clearly defined as possible right from the very beginning of therapy. If you call and cancel frequently of your late to sessions and then expect more time, all of that needs to be addressed and confronted. And the same goes for the therapist, I might add. Even if the topic is suicidal ideation, What you need to talk about with your therapist and the therapist with you is what constitutes a true emergency. And this conversation needs to occur in a safe way. But what if the patient isn't following recommendations? Now, this is tough, especially if there are life-threatening behaviors going on. One, if a therapist terminates in that situation, they must be sure a family member knows what's happening. For example, in my contract with every patient, I make sure they give me permission to contact one person in such an emergency. You know, in movies, therapists are often pulled into a patient's chaos. Personal boundaries, professional boundaries are crossed. 
Maybe that can happen in a movie, but not in real life. That's why those boundaries are so important to discuss ahead of time, and the therapist needs to continually talk about them. And if terminating, referrals should always be given. Always. Here's a second comment to me. This was actually in my Facebook closed group. Has anyone broken up with a therapist? If so, how? I'm freaking out. I've felt off with mine for months now. I end up spending more time worrying about something she said in session than working on myself. Most of the time, if I confront her, she doesn't really apologize. She just tells me all the ways I'm misreading what she said or did. She's late for almost every appointment. Our Wi-Fi hasn't worked since COVID started, but she won't upgrade to a telehealth service and insists on FaceTime, which isn't privacy compliant. My trust has disappeared, and I'm not feeling understood or supported. Yet I feel horribly sad about it and guilty for it and don't even know where to begin. I owe her the decency to tell her in person, but how? Then she followed up with this after she'd gotten my response and several other people. She said, I just wanted to share because the farther I am from breaking up with my old therapist, she did leave her. The more I'm recognizing the ways in which I was not feeling supported and not getting clear boundaries that establish respect, but also honor my needs and treat me like an adult. My old therapist would say, I'm off for two weeks. You'll survive. My current therapist So we aren't going to have an appointment for a long time. How are you feeling about it? What are your plans during that period? What can we do to make it easier on you, since I know this is a stressful time of year? And you just stopped seeing your other therapist, and you're still grieving. I want to make sure you feel supported. I am going to be off, but you can email me if you like. You hear the clarity there. You hear the caring, the clarity, but she's also setting a boundary. In fact, she said after the email, I may take a day or two to reply, meaning that the email is not appropriate in an emergency. Also, obviously, if someone is in an emergent place and you're going to be gone as the therapist, you need to make sure they have some referral sources that they can use. So here's my answer to her. There are so many things wrong here. If you've experienced anything like this, please know that the therapist isn't creating a safe environment for you. And if that's a familiar pain in your own personal life, then you can obviously struggle to see it. I'm so glad this listener listened to her gut and to her friends. Whoever this therapist is, she's doing harm, and that's not acceptable. By the way, you can report this kind of behavior to the therapist's state licensing board. Whether the therapist is an LPC, a social worker, a marriage and family therapist, a psychologist, it doesn't matter. They all have licensing boards. Now, I looked. I don't believe life coaches have any kind of licensing requirements. There's certain certifications that life coaches can get, but they don't actually have, to my knowledge, a licensing or governing board. But there's another point I want to make about these very important boundaries, the understandings between therapist and client, about availability, about expectation. It's not that the therapist is saying to the patient in a rigid way, these are the rules you must follow. Basically, what you want in therapy as an overall goal is for what is experienced in a healthy way in the therapeutic relationship that the patient or the client can take that out into their other relationships and use those same skills, that same understanding. There are expectations and boundaries in all healthy relationships. So when you're teaching a patient or a client about how to begin to assess their own feelings of 
absolutely needing to be in touch with a therapist and they're struggling to know if that's an emergency or not, that's a really good way of trying to help people begin to become more objective about their emotional stress. You're trying to help them to learn how to emotionally regulate, to have a scale that they use from 1 to 10. Well, this is an 8 or this is a 9 and I really need to talk to you versus this is a 5 and what have I learned in therapy? What have I learned about how to soothe myself? And then you can come into the next session saying, I really thought I was headed toward needing to talk to you, but I figured out what to do myself. And that kind of self-soothing is a skill. At the same time, it's part of the therapeutic relationship, the therapeutic contract, that if you're getting to a place where you absolutely need to hear that therapist's voice or you need that kind of containment, then in a healthy therapeutic relationship, that is provided by the therapist. And gradually, the patient learns how to provide more and more of that for themselves, but it is a learning process. So boundaries aren't about rigid rules. They're about trying to help someone learn how to emotionally self-regulate. So I hope all of that helps you understand more the need for these boundaries and understandings and clear expectations. But before we get to the other email responses, here's an offer from BetterHelp that may be coming at just the right time for you. BetterHelp has now been a sponsor of SelfWork for a few months, and I've been hearing how pleased you are with their services. I couldn't be more excited about that, as by now you know I'm a huge believer myself in the power of therapy. What is BetterHelp? It's an online therapy service that has earned the number one ranking for the quality of their service to their consumers. When you contact them, you are offered several different licensed professional therapists to choose from, all that have been vetted by BetterHelp. You can have sessions via video, text, or phone, and I found, because of course I checked it out before recommending it to you, that each therapist was very available, literally a text away, and made some of the same therapeutic suggestions to me that I'd offer myself as a therapist. Here's an excerpt from a listener who wrote in, I'm a 23-year-old living in Brazil. I'm only writing this message in order to express my gratitude towards you and your podcast, Having anxiety disorder, I always felt like I needed therapy, but I was too anxious to start it. With self-work, not only I've learned some valuable insights about dealing with my condition, but also the basics of how therapy sessions work, which allowed me to finally get some courage to start it. With the coronavirus pandemic, I'd also been concerned about attending personal sessions, but then I learned about better help in your podcast, and it sounded just perfect for what I needed. I've been getting online counseling from BetterHelp for six weeks now, and I feel like it's been helping me a lot. That's just so wonderful to hear. And now, BetterHelp has a special offer for you. 10% off the first month of sessions if you use this link. Trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork. I'm never more honored than hearing someone sought therapy after listening to selfwork. And if selfwork is helping you, Maybe BetterHelp is your next step. So after the podcast on when to leave therapy or not was published, I received a couple of these. I'm reaching out to express my thoughts regarding when, how, and why you should leave therapy or not. 
I listened to that episode and felt that my thoughts and actions were validated. I also appreciate your words on accountability of the client. I've been in therapy for a little over a year now and have made tremendous progress with the help of my therapist, who is supportive, kind, empathic, and encouraging. She holds me accountable, and I appreciate that, because I have a problem with assertiveness, and I find that's getting in the way of making progress. For a time, I considered medication as an aid in the therapeutic process, but as a last result. Yet in the past few months, my symptoms of anxiety and depression have worsened, and I wanted to try medication to help me regain control over my symptoms in order to continue to make progress. Yet I had trouble expressing that to my therapist. I believe my efforts to discuss the next steps to get medication were passive. Often I did not know how to ask for help, and there I was, doing it in my session with my therapist. I believe my therapist was under the impression that I was doing well. Asking about medication was met with this response. If you needed medication, you wouldn't be asking for it, or you would have been put on medication a long time ago. But I didn't feel heard. You spoke in your episode about lack of attunement, but I'm not entirely sure if that would apply here. Toward the end of my session, my therapist began to realize where I truly was and suggested I see my primary care physician. After being completely honest with him during a structured interview, I realized there were many things I kept from my therapist out of an irrational fear of her response, such as suicidal ideation. I'm glad to say that I will start medication tomorrow. This brings hope that I will get back on track. I guess the next step is to share this with my therapist. I feel it will take some time. This response is somewhat of a bridge between the when therapy doesn't work episode and the people-pleasing work. You can certainly hear the people-pleasing. This client is claiming responsibility, which is good. I call that client accountability. But the therapist's comments about medication actually seem on the surface to say more about their own feelings about medications. Frankly, I don't even understand what the statements mean. It sounds as if the therapist has a bias against the use of meds, as we talked about in the intro, and that's really not their call to make. That's between a prescriber and your client. You can certainly make recommendations, and often I have recommended medication consultation, and I've given my reasons for such, and I've tried to explain why I think medications might help. But that is not the decision for a therapist. Here's another response. I really enjoyed this episode. Having gone through a rupture in my therapeutic relationship, Your podcast confirmed that I had done the right thing. It was incredibly hard for me for about four sessions to be honest about how I was feeling. My defenses were back up and something was getting in the way for me. My therapist told me that I was more honest with her about our relationship than most of her clients had ever been, and we both learned from the experience. Our relationship and my understanding of my fear of being abandoned or too much for someone really grew. So this was a situation where the rupture didn't turn out to be something that couldn't be talked about. In fact, it was helpful to talk about it. Think about this in the world of medicine. If you went to a medical doctor and it was in your chart that you were allergic to a certain medication, but they gave it to you anyway, you talk about that disappointment with your doctor and try to reestablish trust in their practice and judgment. Mental health is the same way. The only difference is that the mistake may not be as clearly defined. Perhaps the therapist did a technique that they weren't adequately trained for, or it wasn't even called for given your condition. Or maybe they never considered sending you to a physician to see if there could be a medical or physiological basis for what's wrong. 
Maybe they've been treating you for depression, but you have hypothyroidism. Or they don't catch what's called serotonin syndrome, where you have a quite dangerous reaction to being on an SSRI, and you need to get off immediately. Therapists aren't medical practitioners, that's true. But there are some basics that need to be understood and incorporated into their practice. A good rule of thumb for a therapist, if you're confused, ask, or send for a medical checkup. Same is true for the patient. It's often a very good idea to make sure that your PCP or your general practitioner has checked into your general health to make sure there's not something under the surface that's medical. So I hope that's helpful. Again, I am so sorry for these situations where therapy can be hurtful, where a therapist says things that are abrupt, where they get pulled into a situation, they allow themselves to get pulled into a situation where their own caring or their own reserves get used up. That is not your fault as the client. If a therapist gets lost, I've gotten lost, and realizes I just don't have any more skills to hand you, I don't have any more ideas, you talk about that. You say, I think you need to go see someone else. I'm really out of ideas. And then you have exit sessions where you talk about what has happened. You let them meet with that other therapist one time or two times, and then you let them go once they have found a home. Even that kind of goodbye can be difficult, but it's much better than a sudden rupture, which is so very damaging. Here's our listener email for today. She said, your podcasts are amazing, which of course I muchly appreciate. I recently listened to your podcast on people pleasers, and I think I'm one. I tried doing online therapy, yes, better help actually, and found myself lying to my therapist in order to make her feel as if she was helping me. After a few months, I told her that I wanted to stop therapy because I was better, but that was not true. I just didn't want her to feel like she's not a good therapist and couldn't help me. I've tried saying no multiple times, but it comes out very rude. I can't seem to get the polite way of saying no that you describe. So I don't know if that's acceptable, but people are getting mad at me. Not sure if this is because they're used to me doing everything and are shocked that they can't push me around anymore, or am I taking my response to an extreme? She also asked me to perhaps do a podcast on only children, which I have put down as a topic. I think it's a great topic. I said, hello. I love the topic of being an only child and have added it to my subject ideas for self-work. As far as a polite way to say no, by polite, I wonder if you actually mean that it's accepted. If you've rarely have ever said no, then you're exactly right. It's likely not going to be very well received by others. You, of course, may be overcorrecting. So what I do is practice, literally, practice saying no thank you or somehow speaking up more for yourself with people you don't even know. For example, if instead of giving up your place in line at the grocery store to someone who might have fewer items than you do, just this once, stay in place and kind of live with that feeling of, oh, you know, I should have let him through the line. Just try to be more assertive about yourself. You can look for safe things to do or opportunities to put your own desires first. And then I thought of something that was really, hopefully, a fun way to learn this, and this is what I said to her. You should watch the old movie, Fried Green Tomatoes. It's a great story of a woman who learned to stop people-pleasing, and the story is told with humor, but also with significant empathy for someone caught in the trap of never honoring herself or her goals in life. 
basically a people pleaser. And then I heard from someone from Instagram. As a people pleaser, I also felt that I had to give my therapist the right answer. When she asked me what I had or hadn't done since our last session, I often found myself giving her the answer I thought she wanted to hear. I found myself telling her I had done something more regularly than I had or glazing over what I perceived to be a negative thing that happened over the week. I now recognize that I needed her approval. This probably got started a long time ago, that maybe there was a very critical parent or someone that if you were actually truthful about what had happened, they would become very disappointed with you or there was some kind of extremely negative ramification of that. Again, those are the kinds of things you want to work out in therapy. Let's say, for example, I have someone who says, all right, I've decided I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. Or they say, I'm going to use the next session to be accountable to you, and I'm going to not have a cigarette between now and then. I always say to them, that's great if you want to use therapy for accountability. However, please know that if you walk in next time and you say, well, I had a cigarette or I didn't break up with my boyfriend, I'm going to look at you and say, okay, let's talk about that. You don't get a grade in therapy. A good therapist will accept wherever you are and will work with you through whatever process. Now, obviously, if that's about self-destructiveness or self-harm, again, those boundaries have to be discussed. Because actually, if you're engaging in increasing self-harm, then outpatient therapy may not be safe for you. It's not enough of a structure, and you may need to think about residential treatment, which is much more safe. This is often a hard topic between therapist and client, but it can be one that actually saves your life. And again, I think the best thing to do with your therapist is to admit or reveal that you're not telling them the truth. I've had people say to me things like, I'm afraid this will make you mad, or I don't want you to think you're not helping me. Yet if I hear anything like this, we have to talk about it immediately because it's a huge clue that the person sitting in front of me is hiding much of who they are, not only from me, but from themselves. And they're likely getting more resentful and more angry underneath. And yet they sort of turn the tables in their own minds and make me the one who might be angry when it's truly themselves. It's okay to be angry or disappointed with your therapist. We make mistakes, we miss the point, we get it wrong. But if you never allow yourself to show anger in an open but respectful way, then you may be allowing others to run all over you outside of therapy. And therapy can be a safe place to learn how to respectfully talk about your anger, your disappointment, whatever emotions you're having. Thank you all for being here today, and especially those who wrote in. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. You can DM me on Instagram, which is drmargaretrutherford on Instagram. And I do have this Facebook closed group at facebook.com slash groups slash selfwork. That's facebook.com slash groups slash selfwork. I'm not on there every day, but if you tag me, I'll get to it as soon as possible. Plus, there are a lot of other people who have some great ideas. It's a very diverse group, very supportive, and I'd love to have you join us there. Thank you to so many of you who are leaving ratings and reviews. 
especially the written reviews, are so meaningful to me. But the ratings are too. As I've said frequently, y'all are my best marketing team. And the word is spreading about self-work. And I thank you for that. I've written a book called Perfectly Hidden Oppression, which is all about people who have to maintain a tight sense of control, a tight sense of looking like they have the perfect life, while underneath are churning feelings of despair, loneliness that actually can lead to suicidal ideation or actual suicide. It's a dangerously overlooked presentation of depression, and I couldn't find anybody else that was writing about it. There are workbooks for perfectionism, sure, but nobody was talking about the why, why you have to look perfect. You have to get down to that, in my opinion, in order to truly change. Again, that book is called Perfectly Hidden Depression. Within it are over 60 exercises that I use regularly in my own practice for anyone. And so it might be helpful for those of you who want to go through those exercises to get it in either paperback, ebook, or audiobook. Thanks to those of you who've already written a review on Amazon. I so appreciate it. You can subscribe here wherever you listen. You can also subscribe to my website, drmargaretrutherford.com, and you'll receive a weekly newsletter from me that gives you my weekly blog post and this podcast, as well as some news that might be going on, something I think you might be interested in. That's it, one weekly newsletter. I'm excited about this new year. I love some of the topics that you suggested. Someone talked about a podcast on hypnosis, your inner child, only children, sexual grooming, all that kind of thing. I'm just so thrilled to be doing this podcast in 2021 as we all band together to stay safe and healthy. I'm grateful you're here. Please take very good care. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.